What's up, everybody? Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle, a podcast all about real estate, sports, and entertainment. Take a deep dive with me into the world of high-end lifestyle and get exposed to the different leaders behind the scenes of it all. So let's get right into it. Welcome, everybody, to Leaders of Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ferraro. Today's guest, Jessica Sigmund from the Jessica Sigmund team with Compass in Westchester, New York, and Connecticut. Uh, We're so excited to have her here with us today to talk about her business, her life, and so much more. Jessica, thank you so much for being on with us. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. What people don't know is that right before we did this podcast, and I'm in a brand new, excuse me, brand new studio space trying to make all this stuff work and everything and everything. We just got it. We, we had to get out of our whatever we were wearing and we had to put our sweatshirts on. <laughs> we had to get comfy and put our hoodies on. So. Yep. Keep it authentic. Where can people buy those? So we just give them out uh, to anybody that wants them. We ordered a bunch when uh, Queensboro, which is where we order them from, they do like a 50% off sale. So they're like 17 bucks for custom hoodies. And then I just like, if people ask me for them, I just give them to them. I would never want anybody to buy them. It's not like, you know, but it's cool branding though, right? Like if you have a cool piece of clothing and it's like fashionable, then, you know, people start really wearing it and tagging you in it and doing different things like that. I mean, you have a decent social following. I mean, why not? If it's pretty cool. It is cool. It's cool. Like I'll get a, uh, an inspector sent me a picture of a hoodie. He must've been doing an inspection at a house and my hoodie was there and it was just like, so cool. You know, like I, I don't even know whose house it was, but somehow someone had the hoodie and it was just, it felt good. Nice. Awesome. So Connecticut, Westchester, you split your time 50, 50 with compass. I'm interested in knowing Westchester, uh, New York, right? It's it's like our, our neighbor, it's our brother in Connecticut, especially in Greenwich. Um, how has the market been? I'm sure it's hot like every place else, but specifically lately, how's it been for you guys? It's still definitely limited inventory. Uh, I live in Porchester currently. And so I grew up in Greenwich, but like Porchester was like our neighboring town. Right. So grew up basically feeling like I was almost half from Porchester. So to see Porchester kind of developing the way it has been, it's awesome. And, um, I think that the Porchester market is definitely solid no inventory. Anytime something comes on the market, if it's staged and marketed and priced correctly, it's going to sell most likely with multiple offers. Uh, the same for, you know, Rye and Harrison and, and West Harrison, uh, Larchmont, Mamaroneck. Those are all just really strong markets right now. And, you know, I think that a lot of people are looking to move to the suburbs and don't know where in Westchester they want to live. Uh, so they're just kind of exploring all those different towns. Nice. Definitely. Yep. Same everywhere. Right. It's crazy. Low inventory, low rates, people buying everything that pops up. Um, yeah. how is it? So this is a question I've always wanted to ask a broker who works a lot in Westchester because I use it basically against you, but how is it when you're dealing with customers? And this is such a unique question to you because you do work Greenwich and Connecticut and Westchester. How do you deal with the, uh, I am in market for both. Westchester, any property, Rye, Scarsdale, Armonk, Rybrook, uh, Bedford, you know, wherever in, in Westchester. But I'm also, I'm not opposed to looking in Connecticut, Lower Fairfield County, New Canaan, Greenwich, Darien, Stanford, you know, let's say Greenwich. How do you deal with the taxes conversation when it comes to the Westchester market? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's such a personal preference because when I first got into real estate, I was always advised to like pitch a niche, pick a niche market, you know, find out where you want to work and just focus all of your energy and your marketing dollars and your expertise on that market. And I never really did that. You know, I kind of went all over because I felt like real estate was real estate. And whenever I got a referral or a client, if they wanted to go here or there, I just learned, you know, the market and did my research and brought them anywhere. So I felt like now buyers are not so looking for like one single spot. And like you said, they'll call me and be like, we're looking in Rye, we're looking in West Harrison, but we're also have our eyes on, you know, North Stanford or Greenwich, um, depending on the taxes. And it's Westchester is not as easy as Connecticut. We really have to confirm taxes for every single home. So, you know, because there's not just a straight science on how taxes work. So if it's somebody looking in Porchester or someone looking in Rye, we have to make it case by case versus on the house. So if somebody's really interested, usually I'll reach out to a tax assessor. I'll find out where, you know, what the assessments are, what the taxes are going to be if they close, if it is uh, per the price or if it's per assessments. You know, we just do a lot of research to figure out the taxes in Westchester, where gotcha. Connecticut's much more easier. Gotcha. And then, so, I mean, historically, the taxes in Greenwich are historically low. That's why people love it for the school systems, the, the lifestyle, and the taxes being so low on their property. Westchester does seem to have a very high, the t- property taxes on the real estate are higher, much higher. How do you combat that with like, what is it that you say to help somebody to say, listen, I, you're, I know you're kind of teetering on both this really great opportunity to live in Westchester because I guess the taxes are higher, but like, what is, what do you tell people? Yeah, I think it matters about their price, like what their budget is. I think that I work really closely with my mortgage brokers to understand what their budget's going to be in, in Westchester versus what it's going to be in Greenwich. And I think that when people start looking into Greenwich, depending on the price point, right. they realize that they even though the taxes are so much lower, they have to spend so much more to get what they want. Right. So it's kind of always a toss up. You know, if they're not diehard to be into Greenwich, then maybe they look at something under a million in Westchester versus having to go to a million five or a million six to get an average. You know, it's just such a higher price point. So I think it really just depends on on each person. It's situation to situation. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, it's just fascinating because it's like, when you have a buyer who's coming up, let's say from Manhattan or coming up from Florida, and let's say they have a family and they have kids. Well, Westchester does have some great school systems. They do. Mm-hmm. Lower Fairfield County, Connecticut has great school systems. And then it's like, wow, it's great, great. Commuter, probably Westchester could probably win that as far as maybe just maybe less drive on, on 95 or Merritt or something. But then you're looking at the taxes and it's always like, I find that people are either I'm Westchester or I'm open. And then that's where Connecticut can sometimes really top it. So I just, I think it's an interesting conversation for sure. Even closing costs, you know, forget taxes, the closing costs in Connecticut versus Westchester are completely different. So there's a lot of things that you look at when you're looking to switch from Connecticut to Westchester, you know, you're going to pay half or even less than half on your closing costs to buy in Connecticut. You know, the mansion tax is paid on the, on the seller side versus mansion tax. If you're looking at a certain price point in Westchester, you're already guaranteed that you're going to pay a mansion tax. So your closing costs already go up a little bit. Um, so there's so many things that people weigh. And if the way that with everything that happened with COVID and not having to commute as often, yeah, if you're commuting two or three days a week, maybe looking in Greenwich or Darien or Norwalk or Royton or Westport, you know, all those areas became much more popular because 
what the commute wasn't as big of a deal anymore, you right. know, and you get so much for your money and you pay less taxes and you get great schools. Right. Yeah. It's so true. So just sell everything in Connecticut, have everybody just go to Connecticut and we'll be all set. No problem. And then we'll make yeah, <laughs> but you have to go pretty far now, you know, Greenwich market is so strong. It's like yeah. people come back to Westchester because they can get, or even like West Harrison is, is a great example. You get a little bit more of a backyard, you get a bigger house, you're not directly close to a train, but you can use North White Plains or White Plains train station. So West Harrison's gotten pretty popular too, as far as like a comparable to like a Greenwich type of thing where you get a little bit more for your money have as you far seen, as space. Right. Have you seen it as far as your sales this year? Have you seen it be, this is interesting. Do you, do you find it? I'm doing a lot more in Connecticut and Greenwich than I am Westchester or maybe I got a ton of people selling in Westchester and buying in Greenwich or like what, what do you, what's the trends there? Yeah, I see a lot of people looking to go to Connecticut. Definitely. I used to be much more focused on Westchester and still obviously live in Port Chester. It's, it's my favorite market. Uh, but I'm definitely seeing people being like, I'll look in Wilton. I'll look in New Canaan. I'll look in Richfield. Um, and just all over. And sometimes we start our search in West in Westchester and we finish our day in Connecticut because mm -hmm. that's people are really looking for a home now. They're not right. necessarily looking for a town. And I think that the way it used to be is people would be like, I'm moving to Rye, New York. And that was where they were moving. Now they're like, I'll move to Rye, I'll move to Harrison, I'll move to New Canaan, I'll move to Darien. Like they have such a wide options because the limit the inventory is so limited that they're looking for the right house. Yep. And I have Mark Pruner on who's amazing at statistics and everything and his whole thing on the wolf and the people uh, working from home. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's changing so many dynamics. I find the suburbs and the dynamics and trends and where people are going and what they really want and the new buyer that wasn't here two years ago, there are just a lot of different things that are happening. But then when you have super low interest rates and no inventory and no end in sight, and now with this new... God help us, whatever this new thing coming out is, it's like, yeah. here we go, here we go. It's gonna be bigger and crazier than ever. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I, I always, people always ask, like they ask you, I'm sure like, well, what do you think is going to happen with the market? And what do you think is going to happen with the interest rates? And like, we never know, of course, because everything could change. But ultimately right now, it's like, even if the rates start keeping creeping up and creeping up, more buyers are going to start getting anxious to buy again. So we're going to get another sort of frenzy like we had with COVID because people are going to want to jump on to, you know, holding on to the low interest rates while they can. I think it's interesting too talking to a lot of other brokers um, in different markets. It's amazing how I, I always had a perception of the Westchester and Greenwich and Connecticut market being such a, a lot of off market stuff. And there's definitely off market stuff being done. But then when you talk, I talked to a lot of people in Miami and I talked to a lot of people in South Florida and it, it is amazing. It's like almost way more majority off market deals being done. And it's mm -hmm. almost like we don't necessarily, and, and sellers in this area haven't gone to the concept yet of the off market stuff. Off, us being with Compass, there's a Compass plug. We have a great off-market system that we have the ability to work with within our CRM that is just our proprietary thing. Um, I, I think that's another game changer for us down the road is kind of knowing and getting into the off-market stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's good and bad. It depends, I guess, what side you're on. If you're working with a buyer or if you're working with a seller. So like I had a house that we were listing in Wilton a couple weeks ago and um, I brought one of my buyers to go look at it first because they've kind of just been like frustrated with the market and they're getting outbid on everything. And, you know, I was listening to their needs and I was like, the house I have coming on is perfect for you. So I brought them and then they just couldn't get to like make an offer quick enough and we listed it on the market. And realistically, like it didn't make sense for my sellers to take an off market deal. Like the, the market's just so crazy and so strong to not put it on the open market would have been to do a disservice to them. So right. we put it on the market. We ended up with 17 offers, 55 showings in two and a half days, hundreds of thousands over ask. And you know, my off market people buyers were like, shoot, we probably should have jumped on that. But then it's like, what's the point of really doing things off market? You know, like, is it really serving a purpose rather than I get it if there's health conditions or you don't want people in your house or something like that. But otherwise, I think the open market is really where you have to sell your home around here. Oh, a hundred percent. We, we were just, we're just running into a situation where, um, because there's such low amount of inventory people, if you're not in real estate on the day to day, everybody right now knows that the market is hot. Their home value is improved, right? It's, it's probably at the highest that it's ever been, but they Mm -hmm. don't think about, oh, well, I guess I would sell if I got this number and they don't think that their number is possible because they don't really pay attention. They're living their life. And that's kind of like what we're looking at is, is if we're able to have an opportunity to say, we do have a buyer, because we have a lot of buyers that come in, my, my list of buyers is growing, your list of buyers is growing, because we just don't have a place to put them. You know, yes. oh, I want this square footage, this price point, this location, this style home. Well, it doesn't exist, it's not a thing. So if yeah. we can find those things that are possibly there, but just not on market, you know, it's a way to really do service to clients that really just need a place to live. And a lot of these people now are selling their stuff in Manhattan and just hoping something's going to pop in, especially people yeah. with kids and they're just making things happen. I mean, the Man- Manhattan market's super hot too. I mean, but it's, yeah, I think off market for certain people who aren't ready to list it. If they're ready to list and they're putting on with Jessica Sigmund and they're going to sell their property for over asking price, um, that's not going to be a problem. You could do that all day. It's just the people who are like, I'm not, I'm not really have to do anything, but if I got this, maybe, and that would help out a buyer. Yeah. I think it, and it's funny because I'm in the process of hopefully purchasing my own house right now. Um, And so it's off market. So, you know, it goes both ways. For me being in the business, um, I'm super fortunate to hopefully be getting this house that never went to the market and that uh, they just didn't want a million people trampling through their home. They had young kids. Um, They actually have to rent back. So everything that they needed was a little bit complicated. And for me to be able to be flexible with them, work with them, the peace of mind and the ease was more valuable to them than the than hopefully the money. Um, so I think it's like we said, it's case by case. And and if there's a seller like that, that's like, this is what I need. This is what I want. I already have another house. Just bring me the buyer. Yeah. You know, that's great you know, then, then let's do that. Of course, ultimately our only goal is to service our clients. Right. And you do a great job of that. So awesome. Let's talk. We got all that out of the way. I hope everybody listening knows that we got two experts here. So we can go on for hours about that. Um, let's talk a little bit about you and your business and kind of get to know it a little bit. So, uh, you went to school. Are you from, you're from Westchester? Nope, I'm from Greenwich. Went to elementary, okay, middle, right. and high school. Where, where yeah. did you go? In, uh, where in Greenwich? Uh, um, I went to Western Middle School and Greenwich High School. Grew up in Chickahominy. 
Okay. All right. And yeah. then um, did you, where'd you go to school after Greenwich? I went to Lynn University in Boca oh, for nice. school. Wow. Got a business degree. Uh, so I got a business degree with a minor in human services. Both okay. kind of work with real estate. So a little bit of social worker and a little bit of, and obviously a lot of business. Did you know that's what you wanted to do, real estate? No, I always wanted to be like a psychiatric nurse or like a psychologist or a social worker or something in like the, you know, mental health fields kind of thing. So selling real estate's kind of in that same ballpark. It's a lot. Of, <laughs> we're dealing with a lot of psychology all the time with people. But how did, yeah. so tell us, how did you, how did the real estate story start? Uh, so my aunt is a property manager and owns buildings all over Westchester. So I moved back here when I got divorced and was like, what am I going to do? I didn't have a job. I was kind of like a housewife where I lived and I was in Canada. So I got here and I was like thinking of what to do. And I've always been obsessed with real estate. It's always been in the back of my mind that I wanted to be a real estate agent. Um, so I started working with my aunt, running her buildings and helping with the property management side got my real estate license because we were renting out our, our own apartments and her building. And from there, the people that were renting these apartments wanted to buy. So I felt like if I didn't start to learn the next part of the industry, I was missing out on such a huge opportunity. So then I decided to go off on my own and I went over to start working at Rand Realty, started to service all the people that I had put into rentals. And then it just kind of grew from there. Got it. Got it. And how, so, so now we've, you've been in real estate for four or five years. Yeah, four and a half years, five years. Four and years. a half years. Okay. Yeah. And you've definitely seen, obviously, a growth in your business and stuff. And what would you contribute some of the biggest growth in your business to? Uh, being a sponge, like Shirag always tells me, definitely putting myself in the right places with people that are super smart and really successful and people that I admire and people I look up to and just really kind of following their lead. You know, my first listing, I co-listed when I went off on my own at Compass with Heather Harrison, who's just like, to me, one of the, you know, leading people in our industry. I got to follow along with her, communicate with her, see how she worked with the client, see how she, you know, serviced her listing. Uh, so, you know, just kept bringing people on. I, I did a lot of, do a lot still. We just closed a deal last week, Brian Milton and I, he's just somebody I look up to a lot in this industry. So anytime I could bring him on a listing with me or a listing presentation or anything I could do to follow in his footsteps, I really just did the first couple of years. I just, you know, really just found great mentors. Yeah. And do you find, and Brian's iconic, you know, I love Brian. He's great. Yeah. Um, so do you find that you're starting to gain traction and grow your business through some different ways than traditional say like for example social is that a I, you have a great social following have you kind of embraced that and use that or what's your kind of mo yeah so that's like very much out of my comfort zone uh posting pictures and these lifestyle things and the things that compass does and pushes which i i love when i look at the branding of it and i think it's awesome but for me to want to post pictures of myself uh is not something i'm comfortable doing but i but i've been doing it and i do get a ton of business from my social um it's also a really good way for me to connect with my clients when i'm selling them a house or after i've sold them a house to keep in touch with them to see what's happening in their life to have a really you know valuable relationship with them because ultimately our it's a relationship right so like even selling them a house it starts with trust and communication and and everything a relationship does so i really find social media for me a, a very easy way to to maintain those relationships yeah so you're, you're running a, a very good relationship business, CRM business, past client referral business, and social media. 
and it's worked out really, really well. Do you, um, are you finding any trends that are certain to work for you as far as just things that you really like, this is something I've really loved and I've enjoyed. And this is something that's kind of a go-to for me for business and helping clients and stuff like that. Um, like as far as like, you know, investing in Zillow or that kind of stuff, or just like with my clients, like when I first jumped on to being a realtor and when the COVID sort of first started and I was really fearful of like, how am I going to pay my bills? And you know, what am I going to do? You know, I, I grew up, in like the service industry. So even though I had a business background, I was always like a bartender in the restaurant business or something where I was serving people. So when all the restaurants were shut down and real estate was shut down, I was kind of like, oh my God, this is like really awful. So I think that I realized that, you know, I'm, the service industry is is who we are as, as agents. You know, I feel like, uh, I guess, you know, I, I just was lost and scared of what I was going to do when COVID happened. Yeah. Uh, so I invest in Zillow. The moral of the story is I invested in Zillow, which was a huge leap of faith. Um, uh, it was like six or seven thousand dollars a month. I was not a producing agent where I could afford that kind of money. Um, I really didn't have any options. And I've always been a very big risk taker. And, you know, I was on the phone with the guy at Zillow and I was like, what's the most I can spend? And he was like, that's not really how you should do it. You should do like two thousand or three thousand a month and be consistent. And I was like, nope, I want to go all in 100 <laughs> percent. And I was like, I'm in sales. I very much appreciate it. Um, but this is just something that I need to do. And I did it. And within a couple of days, I got a two and a half million dollar referral that from Zillow that I closed within a month that paid back. Thank God. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been in big trouble. So it, I did a lot of Zillow. I, I'm not currently doing it anymore. It was a, a big investment, but it helped get me started. Nice. Very, very nice. And then so so you did some Zillow, obviously using all the systems and tools that are presented to you through Compass. You still crush it on social. And I know I get that feeling of like, it's tough. Like I, I'm there. I definitely would not be posting pictures of me and doing that whole thing. I, I totally hear it, but you make it look great and you, you look in your social looks awesome. And that's a, that is a huge part of where we're headed into the future of everything. Um, yeah. So the business in 2022 growing for you. I mean, what, what do you see? yourself and where do you see your business going? Uh, I hope it keeps growing. It's to me, I still like really pinch myself that I'm doing what I'm doing right now. It's not, doesn't really feel real. Um, I have a team of seven people, you know, we are about to do 60 million this year. Um, I like dreamed of this. So like for yeah. me, I just keep hoping that I keep doing good to people and being a good person and that it keeps working. Cause to me, it's, this is an amazing business. It's an amazing industry. It's an, it's amazing to be able to help people find their homes or, you know, first time home buyers or the people that are getting married or people that have lost loved ones that have to sell. Like it's just a really special industry and you get to make a really good amount of money while you're doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you were to do, is there anything else that you would do right now if they were like, you can't sell real estate anymore? Like we take real estate away. Real estate's gone. Like you can't sell. <laughs> what would you that do? That sounds horrible. <laughs> no, let's just say it was like all good. Like money, here's the money in your bank account. Just don't worry about it. It's like severance. Like what would you go and do? Yeah. Um, I mean, anything in the service industry I love, restaurants, food, um, 
social work, you know, helping people, non-charity. I do a lot, a lot of non-charity. I do a lot of like fundraisers. I love helping people. Um, I didn't grow up with the easiest life. So for me, any way I can give back is like very fulfilling to me. I don't take it for granted or not appreciate where I am in life at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would be a movie director. Okay. Well, maybe that depends on your equipment and, I don't you know. even know why. I, I, I just, when I was a kid, I used to always like making movies with my brothers and like my friends, you know, little camcorders. I'm a, 90, <laughs> yes. I'm a 90s kid. So like that's what we had, the little camcorder. And um, I don't know. I just have like, a, I have a creative side, like where I kind of like to be creative, but I am untacky. I can't, I could do this and tell people I don't want that, but I couldn't actually film anything or, you know, do actually the work. But I think there's a, a I think that's what's cool about real estate is you have, we have the sales side, which is very much a, a people, people side of it where you're not really like, I'm not, we're not used car salesmen. Look, we're selling a super high end product to very sophisticated people who just want a really good consultant and they can smell BS a mile away. So just be honest and do what we do best. But at the same time, there's also like the video shoots and the idea of how you're going to market the property and the lifestyle and who the buyers are going to be. And that's cool. That's like, that's a whole nother side. And there's not too many businesses out there where you can run your own business, live the kind of life that you want to live, make the money you want to make and have both sides of your brain kind of being able to work at one time. Yep. Yeah. It's a pretty cool. It's yeah. It's a pretty cool it's, business that we're in. I know your thing is a little blurry, just so you know your screen. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll blur out and then it, it, it'll show blurry on your end and then not on mine. It all gets okay. handled out in post. Um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like we have the opportunity to use both of our brains, the business side and, and the emotional, um, you know, people side. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, let's talk recreationally when you're not crushing it and selling millions and millions and millions and tens of millions of, and probably hundreds of millions soon of real estate. Um, what do you do for fun recreationally? Uh, I'm a big dog person. If you follow my social media, my dog is like my biggest obsession ever. Um, so I'm usually out hiking or at the beach or anywhere outdoors with him. Uh, I love to travel, but haven't done that much of it lately. Yeah, right. Uh, I love working out. So I have a good group of friends that I work out with and I love drinking and eating. So. Drinking and eating. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. And then do you have like <laughs> a routine that you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, own, <laughs> I do. I own a restaurant nightclub, so I, I hear you. I know. Oh, cool. um, what do you have any, um, like habits that you, that you follow, like as far as workouts and stuff like that. Cause that's another trend of people that are high achievers, especially like in this business, they usually have some sort of kind of consistent pattern that they kind of follow in this business. Yeah. I mean, I'm very disciplined, uh, with myself. So I'm usually like in bed by 10, everyone knows the rules. It's like Cinderella, like have to be home by that time. I don't break it very often. Um, I'm up every morning by six, my workouts at seven 30, pretty consistent with it. After that, I usually head to the beach with the dog, try to just have like a little kind of peaceful start to the day. And then from there, like full force into tons of calls and putting out lots of fires or whatever the case is, and then just do it over again the next day or by five or six, I usually go out for dinner or cook dinner and have wine and, and, you know, do it all over. Nice. That sounds yeah. pretty awesome. Uh, it's pretty I have cool. a four and six year old. So I'm like, Oh, walks on the beach with my dog. <laughs> it's 
Amazing. <laughs> I see your, your kids, your family looks awesome. Well, they're, they are, they're awesome. It's amazing. It's a blessing and it's a lot of work. It's the, that is a lot. Um, yeah. so the, the morning, do you do like functional training or do you like strength train and like, where do you do it? Uh, my, one of my very closest friends has a garage gym that she started during COVID. So I train with her every morning. It's kind of like a mix of like a hit type of workout with like CrossFit training. So we started, we work, we did CrossFit together. Now she does it in her gym, but we do it a lot. Like it's sort of like a CrossFit hit mixed together. Yep. I built the, I built the gym right when COVID started, I built a gym down there and I was like just slowly doing it. And it was like, Oh, I got like a, a, a bar and then I bought like all the bumper weights and then I put all the flooring down. Then I got the, got the bike and then I got the box and then I got the vest and then I put the pull-up bars and I'm like, Oh, this is great. And, um, it's the hardest thing about it sometimes is like, is that not having people there to compete with. That was what yeah. I, I think I, I missed the most is like, Oh, I do like challenging against up people. Like I, I want to go ahead ahead on Fran. Like I want to go. I want to go hardcore on, on a, on a 20 minute watt or something like that. That's the hardest. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it without her. Like she, we are very competitive. So we train against each other usually in the morning. So she works out with me too. And it's like, I see all these people use home gyms and people that work out alone, but like you, I would not have any motivation not competing with someone else. Yeah. Are you a you know, coffee I, drinker? I do not drink coffee. I've never had a sip of coffee in my life. No way. You're like my wife. She Never. doesn't drink any coffee. I don't know how people do that. Yeah. You're no just coffee. Natural energy. So no pre-workout, nothing for you. No pre-workout. Jason Wilson, our manager, calls me a squirrel because I'm always like running around in a million different directions. Um, just a high energy person. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And so when you're done at the end of the day, some wine, some food, and then you're, you're chill and then you go to bed and you get up and do it the next day. Yes. Do you plan it out? Like, do you write out your schedule and the next day? Nope. I'm a pretty big free spirit, kind of go with the flow. And I don't think you can, it's hard to have like a schedule schedule in real estate. Like, you know, us just trying to get together for this. It's like, I could have nothing on my calendar in when I go to bed and the next day I have a full day. You know, it's like, right. we just never know. Right. Uh, I never say no to anything. That's my big thing. Um, I say yes to every single thing I can. If a team member needs to help with a showing or if somebody wants to see something or um, I try to always say yes. Yeah. For you coming over to Compass, was it a pretty no brain, pretty much no brainer for you or did you, did it take some, some convincing or thinking? Uh, Compass definitely changed my life. I am like obsessed with this company. It has uh, truly, truly changed my life. Um, I owe them so much towards my success and just putting me around awesome people and putting me into a culture that I could have only dreamed of, you know, pe meeting people like you and everybody else that I know in, in our, in our company is just game changer. Like you really are who you hang out with, you know, and like who you surround yourself with and compass has really built an awesome culture. So it was definitely scary. I was on a team at Julian Lawrence, um, and leaving them and going on to compass on my own was scary. But like I said, I'm a risk taker and I knew it wasn't the right fit for me where I was. And I was watching compass and watching, you know, people join and I loved, you know, the image of it, the style of it. I just was like, this is like, I want to drink the Kool-Aid, you mm -hmm. know? What's, what's your favorite part about comp? I know, <clears throat> excuse me. I know that you did a lot with the compass tech platforms and everything mm -hmm. like that is what's, what's your favorite part about it? 
I think it's the leadership is my favorite part about it. I think that if you could have um, like painted a picture of who you would want to work for or, you know, the qualities of the people of your leaders, like everything that Robert Refkin and Rory and um, Gordon and Matt Spangler, like all that they stand for and that the way that they treat people and the way that they're involved and um, their core values. And it's just, it's such a feel good company that you want to do good. You want to, to lead by example. You want to follow, you know, in their footsteps. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really good people, and the platforms yeah. they've been able to create are, are awesome. And like I said, you're you're if people uh, YouTube you, and they're going to find a lot of the technology platforms that you promoted and viewed and and worked on, and that's really great, awesome. Yeah, I mean the technology I didn't ever have before. Like when you look back at like Houlihan Lawrence, or uh, I mean not just to bring them up, but like any any company, there was nothing that existed, even one percent of what we have now. Um, the way we can create tours, the way we have our CRM, the way that, you know, our collections, like it's all just game changer. Like it is truly the best ever, you know, like when it's like, I just can't imagine compass not changing the real estate world as it continues to, to grow because what they, what you think about that you need as an agent, they've already thought about and they're already on to working on it. Yeah. It's just crazy. It is crazy. And then speaking of like game changers and going forward and like everything, um, what do you think about what's going to happen with real estate? Let's say the next 10 years. I mean, Zillow just put all that money into like the iBuyer stuff and you know, then that didn't really work out too well. And what do you, what do you think? I have my own opinions on it. I think everybody does, but it's our career, right? So are you banking on real estate agents <clears throat> having a strong footing for the next 10 years? Where do you see it? Yeah, I see it continuing to grow into sort of this like we're to me, it's unbelievable that I can help people with the second biggest investment of their life. And I always say, like, I met this landlord uh, at a house I lived in, in in California and he was like, you the biggest investment you ever make in your life is who you marry. The second is the house you buy. And like, I always remembered it. Right. And like, we take, you know, a 72 hour course and we can help somebody with the second big, biggest investment of their life, you know, and it's just completely crazy to me. And we have the opportunity to become millionaires, really, at the end of the day, just being a real estate agent working on a, you know, small 72 hour course. So I don't see us losing, um, you know, to iBuyers or the Zillow thing. I think it's a people, people connection business. I think that, the people that do it like used car salesman and the people that don't have the integrity in the business, eventually they're going to fall out. And this is going to become a, a pretty strong, successful, professional, um, you know, business for people. And I don't right. see us changing at all. Right. I think I, I agree. <clears throat> I think the whole middle of real estate, the 80, 20 just gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And that 20% is really a top 20% of the best people from the best company with the best systems and the best tools offering the best services. And it's nice to be on a winning team that's uh, that's promoting it and doing it well. Not to say I don't want to hear from other agents. So if you're listening and you're on another podcast, you're going to come on. We're open to hearing about your company and what you do too. But um, Compass is an amazing company with an amazing brand with amazing agents underneath it for sure. That is 100%. Yes. Um, so, so your business yourself that you've been able to grow and everything and that you want to continue growing into it when you're on the winning team to be able to do it. Um, 
so far in your career, would you say that you've had any one moment that kind of like stood out to you or like, oh, this is, this is pretty great. This is probably one of my favorite moments so far in this business. Uh, I mean, I truly have one like every day. Um, I'm such a people lover and people person and any time that I can make a difference in someone's life, which, you know, in this career and in this business is, is fairly often. Right. I have so many feel good stories. Um, you know, just I, I, all the time, you know, someone reaching out to me that I sold the house to that's maybe having a bad day around the holidays that yesterday I could spend, you know, 15 minutes talking her off the ledge and, and then end up the conversation. Like she's just so thankful that I'm here. And I'm like, I'm really thankful you're here, you know, mm -hmm. like, because those conversations help me put things in perspective and the holidays are tough. So like for me, right. helping somebody else helps me. So like it, it's really give and take. Um, and, you know, just a lot, a lot of just, you know, feel good moments in this business. I can't think of anything like super special. Um, I, I mean, I could think of a million different stories, but I wouldn't even want to take away from like all many, all of them that I yeah. have. I have so many. Yeah. Do you think there's a, you being what I mean, you being a professional and trying to, you know, you having your degree in something else and kind of looking at possibly going down that path and then obviously going into the road of real estate that you did. Um, I mean, do you think that, that there's such a huge component there from one and the other and to say like, look, I mean, I'm in real estate, I get to do this, but I'm still doing what I really always sought out to do, which is help people, counsel people, help people feel good. I'm really doing the same thing. I'm just taking this vehicle now of real estate to be able to do it, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, the psychology part, like you know, you said, there's such a, a human element to, to our business. You know, it's a big, it's a big purchase. It's an emotional purchase. It's um, sometimes super happy. Sometimes it's a divorce, and it's really, really sad. And sometimes it's. Um, you know, there's so many different dynamics that go into what we do, um, that if you don't get the people side, I couldn't imagine doing it like, you know, without having the understanding of, of like humans. Right. Yeah. You have to, I mean, I have, I would say my, my favorite moment was I had a client who was older and I met with him and his wife and she, they were just the sweetest people ever. And I was basically like, all right, you know, we're going to list the property. You know, you were a referral from somebody else and um, I'm here to help. And they said, great. You know, we've had a lot of trouble. And they said, listen, we're going to go away and we're going to come back in like two months and then we'll put it up. Well, when we came back, she had been diagnosed with like brain cancer. And like, I'm like, whoa, what happened? And he's like, you know, yeah, she, you know, she got diagnosed and she was there. She was like, yeah, well, we're going to beat it. We're going to find it literally like a couple months later. That's how fast it was. Mm -hmm. And then he calls me and he was like, whatever you got to do, I don't know. She, she set it up for me. Like she ran everything in my life. She, I have a whole house full of her. I don't know what to do. I, I can't be. So it was like, we came in and we took over everything and we used Compass Concierge to get everything all set up. And we, we, we really, we were, I'm like, I got you. We have everything that you need. It was just the feeling. And then being able to give them like, we had like, 16 offers like the first day right because this is right as time of everything was getting crazy but it was like the feeling of like this person who was a rock all of his life who had this terrible thing happen god awful thing was like in the most need he could possibly be in and there we were with arms out ready to catch him and provided everything for him that he needed so that he could get through that moment in time and it was like that 
I mean, what, what else do you want? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the ultimate service that we could possibly provide somebody. It's when they come to you and say, I cannot do this. I don't know what I got to do. I don't know how to do this. I know nothing. I mean, painting everything, moving his stuff out, restaging it, taking everything, taking care of all the stuff for him. It was like, you know, even putting him up in some place, if we have to move certain things, it was like a whole thing and getting it done. So he didn't feel any pain from it, where it was like two days of being out because he was dealing with his own pain. Like that to me was, and I've had some great moments. I will never, ever forget that. That will be one of the things that is like, you, they didn't tell you that in the course when we were getting our mm -hmm. license, they weren't like, Oh yeah, by the way, this might actually happen. You know, like you're never thinking about that. You're like, man, I'm going to make so much money. What cars am I going to buy? I'm going to help people out, but I'm going to make money selling real estate. And you forget that like, that's real. That's that if you, and if you keep that in your mindset of like, that's what we go for, that's what we do every day. And that's how we are in this business. You can never go wrong. That's what you do. And that's why you're going to be successful. That story is, um, what it's all about. And like you were there for somebody and they will never forget you. And you know, the fact that you were able to come in on such a stressful time and, and they were able to give, you know, turn themselves over and trust you. And, and, you know, it's unbelievable that we have these opportunities. Um, and I, I just think that that's the part of this industry that I love the most. Uh, and, but I've always been a business person and I've always loved making money. So it's like I get to do that while doing something that feels good. And I always try to not take away from that because like I am somebody who likes making money. I love hustling. I love working hard. I love, you know, going out for nice dinners, having money in my bank. So like I don't want to pretend like that's not important, but it's incredible that I could do that while doing what I love, you know, yeah. which is helping people. And like yeah. you like your that story is incredible. You know, you really saved somebody's life. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's why it goes. It's like, that's also too why I do this podcast is because I try to get into like really why this business is so great for people who don't also don't understand is you meet other people who speak to you the first time we've ever kind of interacted, but you, you see like your stories and who you are and what you've been able to do. Like, this is the best job you could possibly have because I, I would do mm -hmm. this and in the beginning, you kind of do do it for free. In the beginning, you're like, where's my client? Yeah. Six months, I got to have a runway because it's for free right now. And uh, But it's so worth it, especially when you start building that book of business and, and then having the lifestyle you can kind of create for yourself. So um, yeah, I, I am very it's, lucky it's, to be on this podcast with you. And, uh, and it's been an honor to, yeah. to have you on. I want to wrap up, but I want, um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you kind of want to dive into and talk about? No, I think the most important, uh, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my fridge and I have purpose on my fridge that Chirag uh, told me, you know, to always remember. And it is our purpose, you know, like what we're finding our purpose and finding what we love. And obviously we share similar, similar purposes and it's to, you know, to do our job and to take care of people and do the right thing and, and sell homes while we're doing it, you know, yeah. so I appreciate being on this and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. It was really, really fun. Uh, I love talking shop and good stories and real yeah. estate all day long. So listen, we're going to do this for a while and we might have you on like a repeated thing. And like, we keep watching your, your business grow cause it will. Yeah. And, uh, it was an absolute honor to have you on. Can you tell everybody where they can check you out, find out your social and, and kind of look at what you got going on? Yes, please uh, follow me on Jess underscore Sigmund underscore Realtor uh, and follow all my dog and food and wine and houses posts. 
Do you do you prefer people go to the Instagram or do they check out on the website? Where do you prefer that they check? My out? Instagram is really where I, yeah. I like people to come. It's where it's most real and authentic. Absolutely. So we're going to post it um, in the description and everything like that. Um, and everybody, please check out Jessica's Instagram. Uh, if you are interested in Connecticut, uh, Greenwich, uh, Westchester, reach out to her if you have any questions about that market. Um, she's the best. And uh, Jessica, thank you again so much for being on. Thank you and, so much. And everybody, till next time, Leaders of Lifestyle podcast, take care. Uh, 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 uh.